Hello, thank you for choosing to listen to Theme Park Films podcast. We are Carla and Holly, two friends from England, who will ride the movies, watch the film and give you our thoughts. You can find us on at Theme Park Films on Twitter. Oh, and just one more thing. If you are driving whilst listening to this podcast, please keep your arms inside the vehicle for the duration of the show. Thank you. And welcome to Theme Park Films. I'm Carla, and as ever, I'm joined by Holly. Hello. And this week, we are reviewing Back to the Future Part 2 as part of our 25th episode special. We asked you online which one you would like us to do, whether you would like us to do Back to the Future or Jurassic Park. And you voted Jurassic Park, so I ignored that, and we did Back to the Future 2 anyway. So, (laughs) I thought it would go the other way, if I'm being honest. (laughs) But we will do Jurassic Park. Maybe we can do that for, you know, the 30th show, or maybe the year anniversary. Yeah, or maybe you'll just decide what we're doing anyway and ignore everyone. Well, I just thought it would be a fun little uh, poll that I knew the outcome of, and, oh, turns out I didn't. (laughs) But it was quite quite close. It was like 48% said Back to the Future Part 2, and as we know, a lot of people seem to think that 48% is way more important than the majority, so... So, it was released on the 22nd of November 1989 in the USA, and just a couple of days later, 24th of November 1989 in the UK. I saw this for the first time at the cinema in Fairfield Halls, Croydon, and it blew me away, obviously. I was so excited to go and see it. Back to the Future has been my favourite film ever since I first saw it. And this came out when I was about 11. So I was, I've got to be honest, when I saw it at the cinema, I was a little bit confused by it. And I probably didn't fully understand it until I watched it again on, on home video because it's quite, quite a lot to follow, isn't it? Yeah, it is actually. Um, but yeah, I just absolutely loved it. And I still love it. I think it's got a few holes in it, which I'm, I know you're ready to point out. I'm just finding my pages and pages of scathing <laughs> notes. Um, but to me, I think, you know, Back to the Future is always going to be my favourite. I don't think anyone's going to say that's not the best film. However, I think technically... If you're looking at it at a technical level, I think this might actually be a cleverer and better film than the first one. What what are your thoughts on that? Personally, I think this film for me is where, you know, when when you get that thing that um, you have a film and it does really, really well and then they start putting all these other stupid films in Mm. and it doesn't work, I think this is one of those. Like Fast and Furious, you mean? No, because Fast and Furious works very well. 
as a film franchise, very popular. Um, this, no. So just so we're, we're clear, Polly's a, a Fast and Furious fan, so I think that sets the tone for the episode. You know, it was a good original film. Mm. This felt like it was, oh, wasn't that really successful? Let's think of the next thing and try and make as much money as possible. Well, I mean, you're absolutely right. That is what happened because the first film, the end of it, um, where Doc comes back and said, there's something that's got to be done about your kids, that was purely a joke. They never intended there to be a sequel. Um, you know, that's why Jennifer ended up in the car, which was kind of a plot point they didn't really need while they got rid of her quite early on in the sequel. They had no intention of of continuing this on. So, uh, yeah, you're right. It just did so well that they thought, money, money, money. Who wouldn't? Wouldn't you? Well, yeah. You, you know, I sometimes I think when they do that, it ruins the... It kind of it leaves a little bit of a bitter taste on the original film. I would agree that with most, but I don't think you can say that with this one. I think this is a <laughs> number three. I'll give you, which I won't make you watch. Um, I mean, if number three is anything like the ending of the teaser of the ending of that, yeah. is, is that it? That is the third one. Yeah. Oh, good the, God. The third one, I will go out and out and say I'm a huge That's the Future fan, but I, I will say I really do not, I categorically do not like the third one. Not even, it's not as good. I, yeah, I've seen it probably about five times, which is nothing compared to the others. So I'm not a fan of the third one. A lot of people did like it. I guess if you're into westerns, you might like it. I don't know. I'm, Let's start, and we'll go through it. Um, just, to, just to say, we do normally um, review the ride on this show, in case this happens to be the first one you're ever listening to, but um, obviously we're not going to because we've already done the original. So if you want to hear what we think about the ride, you can listen to the Back to the Future episode, and you can also listen to the Simpsons episode where I rant on about Back to the Future in that one quite a bit as well. So it starts with... <laughs> The flashback to the first one. So pretty much scene for scene. They did reshoot it because uh, it was a different Jennifer. They they cast a different actress in the second one. The the, in, um, the first Jennifer wasn't available for the sequel. So it is it is shot scene for scene. Pretty accurate. It annoys me a little bit because some of the the tone and the way they say a certain word is slightly off. But that's probably just me being very unhealthy. So you see Doc come back, he tells them something's got to be done about their kids. They get into the DeLorean, um, the DeLorean takes off, and then we see that actually Biff has seen the DeLorean take off. So in the car, um, Jennifer's freaking out that she's in a time machine. She's asking far too many questions. So Doc um, does like this kind of men in black thing on her, doesn't he, and puts her to sleep. He does. That's basically just to get the character pretty much out of the way because she wasn't particularly needed in the sequel. But like I said, they'd written themselves into a corner in the first one. So they arrive in the future and it's revealed that Marty needs to stop his son committing a crime. But before we do that, like the whole way when he keeps saying, oh, Doc, you know, where are we? Where are we going? What are we doing? Mm. And, and Doc says we're going to the future. Mm. 
And his reaction to it is it's as if he hadn't been in the past. I don't understand why it's so utterly shocking. <laughs> For him, you know, yeah. that firstly he's like, oh, we're going to, you know, there's something's happened to your son in the future. He was told. He gets mm. in the car. And yet he's like freaking out like it's the most manic thing that's ever happened. It's like, you did go back in time. Yesterday. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's not that crazy that you potentially could go forward. I and can I just say at this point, when when you see 2015, I remember distinctly turning to my dad and saying, will, will we have all this in 2015? And he assured me we would. Flying around in cars and have hoverboards. And I'm telling you something, if he was here now, I'd have a bone to pick with him. Because... None of that has come true. The two things I wanted, flying cars and hoverboards, nothing. I truly believed it. I was so excited. I thought, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. I don't know why I thought I would want to be on a hoverboard in my 30s, but that didn't even cross my mind at that point. <laughs> so anyway, we see um, Marty's asked to put on future clothes, which include power laces that um, do themselves up. And uh, Nike actually bought out a pair of those um, that got auctioned for the Parkinson's Trust for, for Michael J. Fox. So they're, they are available, but, um, yeah, limited edition, they make them, which is quite cool. So he's made up to look like his son, and Doc tells him he needs to tell Griff, who is Biff's grandson, that he's out of whatever crime they're planning to commit later on. But didn't you think when he gave, when he tried the clothes, he took the clothes and he had the jacket and the mm. jacket just said something like fit to size. Yeah. I just thought, why couldn't we just have sizes? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I suppose it would cut down on a lot of labour costs if every single item of clothing was made in the same size and then the minute you put it on it just fitted you, that would be quite a, a labour-saving thing, wouldn't it? And you, yeah, but you know, it's just not going to look good on anyone, is it? Cause no, it? it doesn't truly fit anyone properly. It looked ridiculous in it. And he's had an excess like, sort of material, like it would have bunched up somewhere. Well, um, OK. <laughs> Moving on. So we see... Um, uh, Hill Valley in um, what it looks like in 2015, which is very cool. We see lots of little um, snippets that are quite fun. We see Jaws 19 is being advertised, which I thought was quite funny. Um, and it said, directed by Max Spielberg, who was Stephen's little boy at the time. So. Oh, that's funny. I didn't notice that at all. But. Yeah, and then you see there's an advert for Goldie Wilson the Third who, of course, Goldie Wilson the first was the mayor of Hill Valley in 19... Yeah, I did notice that. Yeah. So lots of little bits and pieces to to see. I won't point them all out, but there are podcasts that will literally point every single one out, and they are, they're quite cool. For me. I was going to say exhausting, way. probably. Yeah. I find it fun. So he goes into the Cafe 80s, which is a nostalgia cafe, and it really made me realise that actually he's he is a character who he thinks he's really cool, but he really is not. 
Well, I would say, actually, that I think they changed Marty's character in this, and I was going to go on to this a little bit later, but I think he did play it slightly differently in this one to the first one, in that he was a little bit irritating at times, whereas in the first one I thought he was just quite a likeable, normal high school kid. So, uh, yeah, he sees Biff, who's um, very old now. He gets told his dad is a loser, who obviously is Marty. He thinks he's talking about George, but he's not. He's talking about him. His dad's a loser who took his life and flushed it down the toilet, so he doesn't. he's a bit confused by that, what that means. Yeah, he'd, I, did you like Cafe 80s, by the way? Because I actually wrote down that you would have probably loved it. I want to go and live in Cafe 80s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I, I think it was absolutely brilliant. What leads on to next is probably one of my favourite film moments I've ever, ever seen. Okay, what is it? So, what's his name? Griff, is it? Yeah. Comes in and says something, says something, Gramps, you haven't yeah. done this or something. And then Marty goes... You're related. That's your that's your granddad, or says something about being related to what Griff says, mm. or Biff actually Biff says. Of course, why would he call me Gramps <laughs> if not? And I just thought, thank you, like for pointing out something which is obviously so obvious. Like, what a stupid comment to make from Marty. <laughs> And I just absolutely loved it that he just called him out on it and said, well, yes, of course. Stupid thing to ask. And I just absolutely loved it. I'm pleased that you found something that you liked. So that's good. So did uh, did you notice the little boy who didn't know how to play the arcade game, who that was? No. So that was Elijah Wood when he was about five. Oh, right. And... He uh, is horrified that um, you have to use your hands, which again, that's kind of come true, hasn't it? With a lot of games now, you don't use controllers for them, so... Yeah, that's true. Marty Jr. gets beaten up by Griff after he tries to get out of the crime, so he doesn't handle it well, does he? No. He gets thrown over um, the bar, and Marty takes his place and says no. I don't know where it came from that he can't be called chicken because it was oh. mentioned in the first one. Well, I was going to ask you this, actually, because I didn't understand and I thought maybe I'm missing something no. that, you know, he, he hates to be called chicken. It annoys me. I don't like it. It's the worst thing about the second one and I wish it wasn't in it. However, I suppose they had to make it that he would react in some way, but I don't understand where that came from. I mean, Chicken, how old is he? Like? Yeah, is he yeah, I know. That's what I was a bit like. You know, like, I was like, it's it's a bit childish. And it's a weird word yeah. to react to. Yeah. Griff chases him, and Marty t- takes a child's hoverboard to get away so this is kind of like uh, the first one, obviously, where he's on a skateboard, now he's on a hoverboard. So my next point was that he stole a child's hoverboard, didn't he? Yeah. Um, I think I would be quite annoyed uh, if I was 
Griff's friends, who I'm imagining has paid a premium on their adult hoverboards, that they're the same speed as a child's Mattel one. <laughs> yeah, because that's a it's a little girl one, isn't it? It's a pink one. So, uh, yeah, I never thought of that. Thank you. This is what we're here to do. This is what you're here to do. This is why you you make the show, obviously, because <laughs> no one would ever have thought of that. I guarantee. You know, you can search every single Back to the Future podcast, and no one will have thought of that. Amazing. I thought it was quite funny that we see Biff as an old man say there's something very familiar about all this because obviously he remembers yeah. the skateboard. So, you know, there's lots of nice little nods back and stuff. It's quite fun. Yeah. Marty gets stuck on the water because hoverboards don't work on water unless you've got a pit bull, which Biff luckily has in the back of his truck. So they all strap onto his pit bull fly towards Marty with a baseball bat. He ducks and they go through the courthouse. Um, I didn't really get, though, why Marty was insistently just standing there doing nothing. I'd have just fallen in the water and ran off. Well, he wasn't actually that far from the edge. No. A good jump, he probably could have made it. He wasn't that far. He wasn't half, He was more than halfway across. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not sure why he was just stood there. Because he did jump off eventually anyway. He's um, approached and asked by someone to give money to save the clock tower. They still, in 2015, are trying to save this clock tower. A little unlikely. <laughs> You'll like this little reference. Well, you won't like it, but you'll appreciate the reference that the man that was asking him for money to save the clock tower was Roger Rabbit. I've just rolled my eyes. I've got nothing else to say. And also, Roger appeared in the antique shop window, which I liked. Did he? I didn't notice that. Yeah, as an antique toy. So uh, we see uh, another little nod. So the Cubs win the World Series, which obviously went over my head a little bit, bit-ish, but I guess that's funny. And I did find out they have since gone on and won it last year. So only a year later, in yeah. 2016, they, they did do it. So there you go. He gets um, the idea to buy the sports almanac from looking in the antique shop, which... I don't know. Would you do that? I think you'd be tempted to, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, hundred percent. You know, I don't, I don't really judge him on doing that. I think that would be a, a sensible thing to do, if anything. Yeah, I think it'd be a very like that is exactly what I would do. Yeah. In fact, it's probably the only reason I'd go back, or back yeah. in t- forward in time even. Um, so, yeah, Biff says he hasn't seen a flying DeLorean in 30 years and spots two Martys, so obviously he's thinking back to when he was cleaning the car in 1985 and saw them fly off. Doc is annoyed Marty bought the book to bet with, and he tells him they need to throw it away. Put it in the trash can for our yeah. yeah. Do you like that? I do. for all. They see Jennifer is getting picked up by the police because they recognise people by their thumbprints now. And again, oh, that's kind of happened, doesn't it, with our phones? 
Biff has worked out that Doc invented a time machine. I don't think we see him take the almanac, but we find out later that he's taken it out of the bin himself. Trash can, sorry. So we cut to Jennifer being taken home by the police in a rough neighbourhood. Jennifer sees that she's uh, married to Marty and that they got married in the chapel of love, which she's not familiar. happy about, is she? She didn't like that, did she? No. I mean, to me, it's not that bad because I'm British, but maybe if you're an American, that is kind of quite tacky. I think it's how you do it, though. I think if you're doing it because it's all you can afford... Yeah, that's bad. Whereas yeah. It's a bit of a, a joke and a fancy dress. It's kind of... Yeah, it can kind of be fun. quite cool, yeah. Yeah. So she hears her daughter and hides in the cupboard. Did you recognise the daughter? No. The daughter was Michael J. Fox. Oh, I didn't recognise... I thought she looked a bit weird. <laughs> that's because she was a man. Oh, I just completely didn't even realise that. Yeah, so he played his son and his daughter. But I, I think he made quite a pretty girl, to be honest. Well, I thought she looked a bit strange. I was going to write that down, but I thought that was probably a bit rude. So I just... <laughs> <laughs> you drew the line there. Yeah. Thinking you were going to offend some poor young actor. <laughs> yeah. So the daughter lets in Lorraine and George. George... Just to briefly explain to you, they couldn't get Crispin Glover, who played George McFly, to agree to do the second. There's a million and one reasons. For but what that. is, like, what? why do you think it is? I don't know if it's true, but the one that everyone says is he wanted the same money that Michael J. Fox was getting, and they wouldn't pay him the same as the lead role. Oh, yeah. So that I, I, I don't know if that's true. But that's the one that seems to crop up more than any of them. Well, I think, you know, if anyone had an argument, it would be Christopher Lloyd, who plays Doc, to yeah. be honest. I would because say he was the second biggest yeah, star. He yeah, he's kind of the, the co-headliner in it, isn't he? With yeah. How much of a role he has in it. So if, if he was all right with it, I think, you know, Crispin should have been. But I don't know that's true but what I do know is that um, they, they got someone else to play and they obviously filmed him upside down so that you couldn't really see who was playing him but when you see shots of the first one where you see George's image he managed to successfully sue the makers of Back to the Future and since then there's some law that you can't use someone's image without their permission so Lorraine says Marty loses control when someone calls him chicken, which was the reason he had his car accident 30 years ago. With a Rolls Royce. With a Rolls Royce, yes. You actually see it in the third one. Oh. Um, well, I was a bit like, maybe they should just go back to that point. Skip out all this shit with the, the, the sun. They need to go back to when the Rolls Royce accident happened. And prior to that, they need to give... Marty a bit of therapy to get over his uh, fear of being called chicken and I'd imagine his life would be alright I'm not sure a film about therapy is kind of what people were looking for in the sequel <laughs> Biff has followed Marty and Doc to the house 
Now, Carla, this scene now, I mean, when I say my blood was boiling, <laughs> like I was, like I was just, I, I just couldn't even talk. I was so, so annoyed by it. Was this, because I woke up this morning quite quite angry uh, texts from you calling Marty lots of different names which I can't repeat on here saying that you were furious was this the point that you text me I actually wrote in my book you'll have to either bleep it out or just not put it in okay, I just put the bleeps Marty's an absolute you've got one job to do you absolute morons and you're about on the road like doesn't have a lock it can go back in time but you can't just put the thing down and lock it and walk away oh cool i live in hilda it's so great and it's like look around you you idiot like the sign post of it is like graffitied it looked a mess <laughs> um not quite as hard but i did i did think biff manages to get into the delorean and drive off and marty doesn't turn around and hear this. It's the dead of night. I mean, it's quite quiet where they are. I did like, the one part of this scene I did like was you saw a dog taking itself for a walk. I didn't see that because I was too enraged. So Marty is completely oblivious that the time machine has gone from behind him. And, and I, I wrote this down and I also said this. I said, for people who are very clever, like the doctor and all of these people, you know, Marty actually has done a lot. He's done tra time travel before and all of this. They're really stupid people. I just don't think logically don't they're not there. The I, don't, I don't know if the doc's stupid. I don't, yes, I he is, you because later on... No, doc. I'm going to tell you why later on. Okay. We're back inside the house and a caller ID shows Needles is calling Marty Senior. So again, caller ID, that's, that wasn't invented at the time. You didn't have the phone to find out who was calling you in the old days. Then you had FaceTime as well. Um, who is Needles? He is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. No, but I mean, who is he? Like, in the film? Oh, I thought you'd actually recognise oh, someone. Oh, God, Sorry. no. <laughs> Needles, I think he's just a colleague that he works with, a bit of a dodgy colleague. Oh, because I didn't know whether it was like we were meant to know who he was because Jennifer said something and she went, Needles, as if she I, I knew him. Yeah, I don't know. He wasn't mentioned in the first one again, but neither was Chicken, so maybe Needles was going on and we just didn't know about it. I'm not sure. So he tries to talk him into doing the dodgy work deal. His boss is watching and fires him. Marty Senior starts to um, get all these faxes come through, so they got that wrong because faxes are gone now. They didn't, they didn't predict the internet. Damn them. But he starts to play the guitar very, very badly, which Jennifer, I mean, considering she's seen her future children, her future house, her future husband, she seems more shocked by the fact that he can't play guitar anymore than anything else that's happened so far. Doc tells her a way to get out, and as she does, her older self walks in, they see each other, and they faint. And she she managed to hide in cupboards. Not well. I was going to say that I was yeah. waiting, actually, when he was talking to Needles. I was waiting for Needles to say, what's your wife doing in the closet? <laughs> 
but that didn't happen. Um, and I just thought, you know, you've avoided everyone. And then on your last hurdle, you've really, you really messed up. Biff is back in the DeLorean. He leaves part of his cane in the car and then you see him die. I'm not really sure the reasoning. Because even if he did change the course of time, I don't know why that would make him suddenly die. Anyway. Oh! No, I guess it would, because... Well, he might have this died is the al- This is the alternative 2015, which no longer exists, so therefore he no longer exists. Yeah. So I guess it kind of makes sense, but... Oh, it's still complicated, isn't it? It is, it is. So then we so, go back, they go back... Yeah, they to go back to 1985, and, uh, completely oblivious that someone's been in their car. And, and again... Completely oblivious, someone's been in the car. They get back, drop yeah. Jennifer home on her porch. Leave her asleep and on the porch. don't appear to have eyes working. Well, no, because Marty even says, I don't remember bars on these windows. <laughs> you know... He has noticed that. And but then they drive to Marty's house. And, again, I mean, I with blinkers on. Because it's graffitied, yeah. it's very dirty now. Um, there's a padlock on on the gate, so he has to climb in through his bedroom window, and he realises he's in a different family's house and gets chased out by a baseball bat. He walks into Hill Valley, and he, he finds it's unrecognisable. Yet again, he identifies where where he is by a newspaper and the date's correct on the newspaper. I'm not sure what a newspaper was doing out there in the dead of night. <laughs> yeah, and then the man, the guy comes out and is like with his shotgun. Yeah, and then he's like, Strickland. "You've been steal. You're the one who's been stealing my papers in the middle of the night." I mean, collect it earlier. If you're leaving your papers out from six in the morning and then someone at about two in the morning steals them. Fair um, game. I think it's fair game. I'm going to put it out there. I don't think Strickland, if he'd have killed Marty, I don't think he'd have had a leg to stand up with that. <laughs> yeah, great. Now, I must say, when I saw the um, alternative 1985, I, I thought it looked quite cool. You know, a tacky casino, what's not to like? Bikers, that's brilliant. Heavy metal playing in the dead of night. I just think it seemed like a really cool place. But I I, I understand that's not what they were going <laughs> Well, no. No. So we see that Biff Tannen has a museum linked onto his casino, and he's made it, after making it big at the races, on his 21st birthday. Now, a lot of people have said that Biff, this side of Biff was based on Donald Trump in the 80s. I don't oh, know if that's true. I, you know, I was going to be like, it just felt a little too close to home. And I was like, I just didn't want to get down that old debate about Donald Trump. Well, we don't want to get political because it's none of our business. We're not American. But you can, you can kind of see. Oh, yeah, you can see the resemblance. Likeness. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And, you know, obviously Donald Trump didn't really look like, quite like that. I mean, he still had the same hair, but not quite like that in the 80s. So it is quite amazing that they did do that, that he was kind of based on Donald Trump. And now what's happened, it's, I mean, it's bordering on spooky. 
It is. Marty sees on the museum, it says he married Lorraine in 1973, and Marty screams, then gets ambushed by the heavy. So it cuts to a scene similar to the original, where Lorraine is waking him up. He says he's had a bad dream, and she says, there, there, you're back on the good old 27th floor. He jolts up, sees his mum looking very different. Now, this was a little bit weird. I wrote here, Marty is very inappropriate. <laughs> he says, but you look so, so big. While staring at her, her for about 10 minutes. I mean, it was like, for God's sake, that's the first thing you notice about your mum. Yeah. I don't think that's the first reaction a normal person would have. Well, no. So Biff comes in and he says Marty should be at boarding school in Switzerland. He calls him a butthead, just like his old man, and pushes Lorraine over. And I thought, actually, it sounded like, I mean, for Marty, um, apart from obviously what we find out later on, it could be quite a nice life. Yeah, it's not bad, is it? He's been sent off to Switzerland. They obviously, they're not short of money. Um, now, my mum insists I point out this continuity error because she's never, ever noticed any continuity error in any film in her life, but she did notice one here. So when he pushes Lorraine over, she doesn't have any shoes or slippers on, and then when it cuts back to a line on the floor, she has pink slippers on. Oh, so, well done, Mum. <laughs> I watched it when I went to visit her, and uh, she said, oh, make sure I get a shout-out. So, Mum, here's your shout-out. Well done. <laughs> and thank you for watching it with me for probably the 50th time yeah. of your life. Yeah. So, she tries to walk out, but he says if she leaves, he will cut off her kid's money. He'll get... Dave's, who's the older son, probation revoked and cut off Linda's credit card. So, obviously, his kids depend very much on his power and wealth. But I did think it was a bit strange how, obviously, she's been a bit, you know, she's turned to the drink. She's been with Biff for quite a while now. And then suddenly, it's like we see her and she's all decides to stand up for herself against him and then it was like as soon as he said something she felt you know it was oh okay okay yeah because i mean at this point they were supposed to get married in 73 it was 85 so this is like 12 years into their marriage so marty's confused and doesn't understand where his dad is she says um he's been dead for 12 years which means she married biff the same year her husband died, which I would question. And he got, I mean, he wasn't, he didn't die from natural causes no, or suicide. Murdered. I mean, he was yeah. murdered. Quite yeah. horrific. Yeah. But and obviously we did, we did see that she didn't look like she was terribly happy to be marrying Beth. No, she didn't seem thrilled about it. So, but still. Now, so, I think this scene next, obviously... Yeah. I don't know. Like, he then goes to go to the cemetery to see yes. his dad's grave. Um, 
I just thought that was a bit odd. I just think that they've gone back in time. A lot of strange stuff's been going on. Very, very, you know, it's it's all changed, hasn't it? My first thing would be, oh, God, look at what's happened. Something's gone wrong. I need to go and find the doctor so we can, I need to go and find Doc so we can go back and fix this mess. I wouldn't even, I don't think I'd even be like, oh, my God, I, Dad's died. I need to go and see the grave. I'd be like... Mm. You know, the fact that mum's now turned into some sort of alcoholic who's very depressed, Biff's running the world, it's all a little strange. You know, we need to go and fix it. Let's go and fix it. Yeah, well, Doc Doc realises that's where we'll find Marty. He goes looking for him, doesn't he? Yeah, but it, which I, I just think it's quite... And then I think it's strange that he said, oh, I knew you'd be here. I would have, if I was Doc, I honestly would have just sat and waited <laughs> for him to come to me. Up. I'd be like, made, oh, well, made a cup of well tea. I'd be like, clearly something's happened here and he knows we need to go back in time. So I'll just, there's no point me running around trying to find him. I'll just wait for him to come back. I guess, you know, Marty's 17. You have to, supposed to be 17. Obviously, I know Michael J. Fox was way older than that. But you you have to remember he was supposed to be 17. So maybe he just would do that. I I don't know. But either way. Did you not find it a bit odd? No. Oh. I never really thought about it. But I often wonder if they just put the grave in just to kind of dig Crispin Glover. As if, say, yeah, well, we killed you off. Oh, do you? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of why I felt it was there. It was more of a, well, if you don't like it, we'll just do it without you. We don't need you anyway, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Doc shows him some newspaper cuttings that show uh, George was murdered and the Doc has been committed to a mental institution. Which I wouldn't disagree with. (laughs) Probably about the only right thing in it. <laughs> so Doc explains helpfully for us what has happened. Um, the the it skewed the timeline and created an alternate 1985. Thank you for that. We didn't know. Yeah. We didn't get well, it. At the, I don't even think after the explanation I got it at 11. I was just so confused as to what was going on. I was just sitting there grinning because I was just so happy to be there. <laughs> no clue what was happening. Um, Doc has found the almanac receipt and Biscayne in the car. And so they realised that obviously something happened while Marty was staring in the other direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this made me really laugh when they look at a photo of Biff winning big and he happens to have the almanac sticking out of his pocket in the press photo. Very amusing. Because, like, you'd take it. If you had something that was essentially letting you cheat, you wouldn't take it along well, with Well, you'd you, sort you? of treat it. You'd memorise it. Yeah, and you'd and it would be the most protective thing ever. Mm. You wouldn't just be hanging out with it. No, definitely not. And I also noted how small the book was, considering it was supposed to be over 50-odd years. Yeah, not a lot. And quite quite small bets 
not necessarily small bits, but we hear about one later on, yeah. and it's not like it's the World Series. You know, it's no. quite uh, yeah. It's got everything in there. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Well, you've got it, Carla. How big is yeah. it? <laughs> it's very, very slim. <laughs> but for anyone that hasn't seen Instagram, I've got the notebook version <laughs> that I bought in the Back to the Future shop before the Simpsons took over in Universal Studios. In the good old days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you. <laughs> the only place they can go to repair this is to go into the past. So Marty goes and speaks to Biff to find out how he got the book. I don't know, as if he'd tell him. Well, he tells him because his older self has warned him that one day a crazy-eyed man <laughs> and a kid would ask him about the book, and when they do, he's to kill them immediately. So I guess he thinks, what the hell, I'll tell him, I'm going to shoot him anyway. Well, I guess... And also incredibly convenient, it was on the same time that they were there, 1955. Yeah, like what Biff just plucked that out the air, did he? Yeah. To go and tell him his high school self. Why yeah. wouldn't you just go? I'd have gone the day I'd before. Gone I'd have gone the day before my 21st birthday, or the day before a really big bet. Yeah. Um, not let him hang around with it for years, being like, oh, you know, and then likely what would have happened is you would have forgotten about the book for a good couple of years, and then you'd go, oh, God, I completely forgot about that. Oh, maybe I'll go and try it now. Well, the original script was set in the 60s, and then we're going to go back to the 60s because obviously there's a lot you can do with that. Um, but... For some reason, they decided to then use 1955. And again, I do wonder if this a little bit, even though they don't like to admit it, comes back to Crispin Glover, that they could use his footage because they already mm. had it from that point. So I don't know if that's the reason. But, yeah, it's a little coincidental. And it is, I get it, it's, like, fun to go back and see it, but it does all get very... I mean, there's times I'm like, I do not know what's going on. It's the kind of film you need to watch a couple of times, which obviously I know you're not prepared for. <laughs> no. Yeah, you can, you can, like, to watch it the first time, it's quite a lot to take in, what everything's going. Biff tells uh, Marty that a distant relative gave him the book in 1955, and he says, old Biff told him one day, blah, 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 I've already said that. He shoots, but Marty manages to get away, manages to run away from him. He runs up to the roof, where he confesses that he killed George McFly. And Marty escapes by jumping off the roof onto the DeLorean. Saves the day. Doc has got Marty out of so many problems, it's unbelievable. So they land in 1955, and Doc reminds him there's now two each of them there. So they've Marty got to be very careful. Very careful. So Marty dresses up looking like no one else in the <laughs> Marty follows Biff and we see that the old Biff is also following Biff and it's quite funny that you see he's quite embarrassed by his younger self isn't he and thinks he's an idiot and, and when he says something like make like a tree or tree something and, and, get out of it. and he, yeah. he says he's like you sound like such an idiot yeah <laughs> Which is probably what we would all do if we went back and watched our younger selves. Yeah. 
after he harasses Lorraine in the street, like to the point of, you know, he'd probably get arrested for that nowadays. Well, it was like he put, he was like trying to look up her skirt. Mm. It was just really bad. Mm. He meets old Biff, who drives him home and gives him the almanac. Marty is in the car, in the back seat, and he gets locked in the garage. <sighs> and with I can see you're annoyed. He's like, he calls, because they've now thought of to get their walkie-talkie, so he calls him, and he's like, oh, I'm locked in the garage. It's a wooden door. <laughs> like, smash it down, smash the glass. Do you know what I mean? Like, for goodness sake, like, you've just seen what the world would be like if you don't change this so just go you've got one job to do which is to go and get that book stop messing around it's just so ridiculous that really annoyed me and then the most you know ridiculous thing about it all is like they obviously then he's hiding in the back seat of the car isn't he um and they're going out He's driving to... He calls Doc and says, I need help. Yeah. Biff comes back in, jumps in the car. He leaves. Doc drives straight past them. <laughs> doesn't realise anything going on. Doesn't realise, doesn't recognise the car. Doesn't recognise Biff. Continues to go to the garage and then is shocked when no one's there. That's what... That's what I thought. Yeah, that's the point where I just was like, look around. <laughs> Fair enough, I'll give you that. So it cuts to the enchantment under the sea dance. Marty sees Biff looking at a porno magazine called Ooh La La. <laughs> whilst the almanac is sticking out of his pocket. Strickland takes the almanac from Biff's pocket and walks off with it. Marty gets into Strickland's office and after much faffing around <laughs> comedy moments and I've, I did actually think Michael J. Fox played this quite well, the comedy moment when he, but you probably didn't like it. I can't imagine you're kind of person. No, I'm not. No, I thought it was, you know, reasonably amusing. I thought it anyway. was awful, absolutely awful and it annoyed me. <laughs> Ridiculous. So he does manage to get the magazine, but he then realises it's only the almanac jacket and it's the porno magazine inside it. So, again, back to square one. Now, what I did say was they don't necessarily need to get it this night. If anything, it's probably more dangerous than going for it tonight because there's two of them wandering around. So why doesn't he wait till tomorrow when he knows that he's gone back, so he's not hanging around in, in this timeline? And wait till Biff's asleep, and then just take it then. I mean, and since Doc seems to have a device that puts people to sleep, I think he could use it on Biff, since he used it on Jennifer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Why didn't he just put him to sleep? That's a brilliant point that I just thought of. Why didn't he just put him to sleep, and then take the book? I suppose they have to let Biff play out this evening so that George and Lorraine can still meet so they have to let it get past this point because if they knock Biff out George and Lorraine won't get together so they can't mess with what is going to happen before the end of the dance yeah 
So he realises he knows where Biff will be because obviously he's uh, walking past himself now in the first film. And he watches George punch him out from the first film. Which, uh, but Carla, actually, about. at this point, he does say, he calls the doc and he says, oh, back to square one, we don't have the magazine, I don't know where it is, I don't know where he is, moan, 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 moan. And the doc says to him, you've got no idea where Biff is, you've got no idea. He's like, no, no idea whatsoever. It's like you were there. <laughs> and also, look out the window. <laughs> so he pretends to give uh, Biff CPR, but in g instead he steals the almanac out of his pocket. He realises Biff's heavies are going to beat him up. Um, because they've got the wrong version of him. So he has to stop them. He crawls over the stage of himself playing Johnny Be Good, which was quite good. I thought, it, no pun intended, it looked good. All going well and plans to meet Doc on the roof, but the other Marty accidentally knocks him out with the door. Which was quite funny. It was. Biff then sees he has the book takes it back off him and drives off. But not before someone says something about being chicken. <laughs> yeah. We get the old chicken thing back. The DeLorean is flying over Biff's car. Now, I'm fairly certain I would notice something flying over. And I don't even have an open top car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then Marty hoverboards over to him and tries to grab the book. Terrible idea. <laughs> He's opening his car door and Biff doesn't notice at first that his car door's being opened. I mean, I j all I've written from now on is basically the ending has just got absolutely stupid. And we have to remember as well that in those days they were big, heavy cars. I doubt he could have even opened that car door as it was going along, with the force of it going along with one hand, because they, they were built to last, those cars. They were really, really heavy. They wouldn't have had him... Because like, he's only a little geezer, isn't he, Michael J. Fox? Yeah. Also, there's another Roger Rabbit reference oh. in case you wanted it, because I know you're a big fan of it. Uh, the tunnel that they go in is the same that was used in Roger Rabbit. That's nice, isn't it? Mm. So he eventually gets the book and races out on the hoverboard out of the tunnel, and just as Biff is about to run him over, Doc hoists him up. Saving the day yet again. Marty then burns the book while he waits for Doc to land. He sees the newspapers change. Which he's very excited about. Well, he is, because his dad's alive. We'll give him that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just when you think it's all over and they've done it, the DeLorean only gets struck by lightning and Doc disappears. Marty's, oh, God, what do I do now? I haven't got the Doc. What do I do? I'm stuck here in 1955. And a car pulls up. The bloke gets out, asks if he's Marty McFly. He says he's from the Western Union, 
and that he's had a letter waiting for him for the last 70 years and they were asked to deliver it to that location at that exact time. I mean, can you imagine the Royal Mail doing that? And also, can you imagine, like, it would have gone through so many different people. It would have just been lost, you know, in, in the office move of, like, 1948. Do you know what I mean? Like, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have stayed, would it? No, but I guess they that's the only way they could get him to communicate. It was quite a, a nice way out of it, wasn't it? Did you not think? Yeah. So we see the letters from the doc. It explains that he's now in 1885. And why did he go back to then? I think it was... I don't think he chose to. I think it was because the time machine was shorting out. We saw a couple of times he had to keep banging it and saying that it's shorting out. So I think it just randomly sent him back to a year. Oh, okay. He chose it. So he runs back, Marty runs back to the 1955 Doc and says he's back, back from the future. And Doc passes out, which I think is a great ending, actually. That's quite a good ending to it. I really enjoy that. And I wish they'd left it at that rather than cut into the trailer for part three. So why does uh, what I don't understand then is obviously we then see them both back in the Wild West dealing with another Biff-like character. Mm. Um, how does Marty get back there? Marty gets back because there's some. I think there's some instructions that the DeLorean has been left uh, hidden in a cave. So they then get the DeLorean working. So he gets back to 1885. Mad Dog Tannen is Biff's ancestor, who obviously is a maniac. Marty goes back as Clint Eastwood. He tells everyone his name's Clint Eastwood, which is quite funny. And, oh, I don't know, chaos in... Of course. And, and Doc meets a very nice lady, and they end up together. Marty gets back because they managed to push the DeLorean with a steam train and get it up to 88 miles an hour and Marty comes back without the Doc. Doc stays in 1885 and lives out, lives out his life with his wife and kids. Doc does make a cameo appearance at the end of the third that he's built a train time machine, which is the one that you see in Universal Studios as a train and Doc does briefly come back to 1985 just to say to Marty that he's happy and show him his kids and stuff. Nice. So, yeah, Doc gets a nice happy ending anyway, and Marty's back with Jennifer. All good. I think if I was Jennifer, though, and I even had that dream, I really put me off him. You know, when you have dreams about people, yeah, like yeah. if I had, an, you know, I had a dream and you were nasty to me, I'd, I'd be annoyed at you. <laughs> do you um, not ever get that well yes but I wouldn't be annoyed at you because oh. I would know it was a dream it wouldn't make me angry oh. um, we also see in part 3 um, the car crash with the Rolls Royce that someone challenges Marty to race at the traffic lights and they call him chicken but because he's had all this experience, he chooses to ignore them and doesn't race off. But the car, the other car races off and crashes into a Rolls Royce. 
So you see, that would have been Marty. Oh, okay. He doesn't turn into a loser anymore. And he can still play guitar, which is great. So that's that. I, obviously, you didn't enjoy it. I preferred the first one more. I thought the first one just felt a bit more, you know, like it was just new. It was just it was just what it was meant to be. Whereas this one just felt a little bit more kind of forced and a lot of things they just sort of, you know, it was like, oh, we need to fit this bit in to make people know what's going on. Oh, okay, well, he can just have a conversation in the back of the car. Like, it, you know, things like that annoy me. That's fair. Okay, so we've had quite a lot of shout-outs on this, so I'm going to start rattling through uh, those. We'll go to Twitter first. At Retro Rewind Podcast says, seeing a movie go into its own prequel was so cool and interesting. Also, the ride was one of the funnest at Universal Studios. Is this you? <laughs> no. But I wholeheartedly agree. At Spielberg Pod says, Back to the Future 2 is a joy to watch. Love the future and the hoverboards. Love the nightmare present day. Biffy's Trump. I love the layering of Back to the Future 1 and that they return to the 50s. Also, the guy who says Marty stole Biff's wallet steals the film. And he was quite funny, wasn't he? I think... I think he took your wallet. I think he took his wallet. Maybe you have to see it more than once to pick up on him, but he was a funny, funny little side character. At You Can Rewind It says, As a kid, it was my least favourite because it was sad and dark, but now I find it interesting and think the third is kind of stupid. Two has always been Brooks' fave. So go and check them out. They're really fun podcast that we highly recommend. At Lights in the Sky said, the number one film on my list, the perfect mix of a clever storyline, cool futuristic tech, and my youth. This was the VHS I wore, I watched when I was off sick. At Lemon Spade said, I love all three Back to the Futures and have a soft spot for two. As a kid, it was so sci-fi, and now nearly all of it is actually true. At Basement Condition said, it's so hard to decide which is better, the first or the second. Hoverboards versus Johnny Be Good. I don't think it's possible. I love them both. At Nerd versus World said, loved it. Great morality play about consequence of action was subverting the 80s US wealth power political narrative. Also Hoverboards. At Your Weekly Top 6 says, Good, but the weakest of the three. Contrived storyline, terrible Jennifer. Love old Biff and Trump Biff. I want to live in the alternate 1985. At Film and TV Show Pod says, Interesting take on the future. Timelines and multiples are a good way to explain about decisions made and not made. Thoroughly enjoyable. Moving over to Instagram, we've just got a few on here. At... Minecraft the movie said this movie changed my view of reality as a kid I was convinced movies predicted or showed the future I'm still looking forward to a world where our trash is fuel wait the rest of the world has come true the filmmakers are t 
time-travelling aliens. It's the only explanation. I should know I'm not from planet Earth. At Champa Klein says, One of the best time-travel movies ever. Love how it visits the first movie and you get to see the same scenes but from a different perspective. As a kid, it was a real mind trip. Still a pleasure to watch. Classic lines and classic characters. And last, but obviously not least, Pizza Partey 575 says, One of my favourite movies ever with funny moments and great characters. This is one of the rare cases where the second movie is just as good, if not better, than the first. Classic. Not many people agreeing with you. In fact, none. I'd like them to watch it again, though, after listening to the podcast. Yeah, I mean, if anyone would actually like to watch it after listening to Holly's points, because to be fair, as much as I love it, I think all her points were very valid. Thank you, Carla. You can find us on Twitter at Theme Park Films or Instagram at Theme Park Films Podcast. You can also email us, themeparkfilms at hotmail.com. And we are the proud creators of Britpod Scene, which is a collective of British podcasts. Please go and follow us at, at Britpod Scene on Twitter, where all of our retweets are from the shows that we endorse. And our website is currently under development, but you can see a um, version of it at the moment, www.britpodscene.com. And the lovely Daniel will come along and tell you a little bit about that after we've finished talking. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you for making us get to 25 episodes. Yippee! I didn't think Hollywood in any way get to 25 episodes, so I'm very excited by this milestone. And we've had 25 episodes and 52 iTunes reviews, which is fantastic. So we're doing really well. We are. I thought it was only 51. I think it's 52. Don't put a dampener on it. <laughs> need to go and quickly write another one. <laughs> yeah, when you send them all to me. And you're like, someone else wrote one. If you just made another website, like another email address. Another account for me. So, yeah, thank you if you've left us um, an iTunes review. Very much. Thank you very much. Don't forget, if you have left us one, we will send you a key ring or a car air freshener if you DM us your address. So, that's it for us. We will see you in the next one. Bye. Theme Park Films Podcast is part of Britpod Scene, a network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or follow Britpod Scene on Twitter to find out more. <laughs>